Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Jesus 911 on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Ruben Nava, one man car. My partner Jesse Romero is out of town this week. He's uh, doing some apostolic work. And uh, but today I have a good show with on we have a a guest. We have a, a we what I would think is a is a huge presence in the law enforcement community uh that spanned four uh decades. And uh I happen to uh have read his book and uh, connected with him, realized that that he's a practicing Catholic and uh I just wanted to connect with him and, and get him on the show and uh just hear what he has to say about the state of our uh, of our country and what, what law enforcement was like back in the day and what uh, where he sees uh, what he sees what's going on today in today's society. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce Chief Jerry Boyd, retired chief of police and uh, a former LA Sheriff's Department deputy sheriff and sergeant. Good morning, uh, Chief. How are you? I'm good, Ruben. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for being here. You know, uh, I, it was uh, through Facebook that I, I connected with you. I, I started seeing some of your posts, and I realized, hey, that's the same gentleman who, who wrote this Firestone Park book that I read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that that uh, that sparked an interest in me to, into finding out uh, a little bit about you. And and everything I, I've heard and seen from you is uh, is wonderful. And uh, so it's great to, to know that there are people in law enforcement or in past law enforcement that, that have your, uh, your character and, uh, you know, your, your faith. So, you know, uh, why, don't, why don't you just tell the audience, uh, Chief, what, what, you know, um, let's, let's start with your, your assignments and, and where you started in, in law enforcement. And why was it that you chose that, that career? Okay, good question. I, uh, I grew up in a fairly tough neighborhood in Los Angeles. And, you know, I always viewed law enforcement as kind of the protector that kept me and my family safe. So from an early age, I wanted to be a cop. And I wound up, uh, started my career with your department, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Yeah. Um, I worked patrol in South Central Los Angeles. I went to headquarters detectives. From there, I was promoted to sergeant and, and went back uh, on the streets. Uh, for a variety of reasons, um, in 1975, uh, I left the department. I had an opportunity to go to the brand-new police department in Irvine as a lieutenant. I went there for three years uh, based on training I had received uh, from L.A. County Sheriff's Special Enforcement Bureau. I put together Irvine's uh, SWAT team, and I commanded it, among wow, nice. other duties. Um, after three years, I was promoted to captain, and to be honest with you, I thought, this is where I'm going to be for the rest of my career. I enjoyed it. It was great, but uh, the good Lord had another plan. Um, had an issue with uh, the ethics of the chief. And, uh, you know, when you're a captain and he relieves you of uh, your command duty and puts you on night shift with Tuesday and Wednesday off, there's a message there. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you don't lateral, you know, to another department as a captain. So, while I had never set out to become a police chief, uh, you know, that's the path God put me on. And 
I was very fortunate to go to uh, Coronado as a chief for 10 years. And then uh, as I neared what I thought would be my retirement, I wanted to get, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but I wanted to get out of Southern California. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> no, no, no offense I, taken. I became, I became the chief in Martinez and then I retired from full-time law enforcement there. So, so just, just so for our listeners, uh, we have uh, listeners from all over the country. When you, when the chief is talking about Coronado. That's down San Diego County, down uh, right, <clears throat> right there. It's kind of kind of known for the the uh, the Navy SEALs where they train at, right? And uh, absolutely, right. And, absolutely, yeah. So you see a lot of studs walking around out there, and uh, you, you then you went up to Martinez. Now that's I'm not real familiar with that, but I, I realize that that's up in the Bay Area, correct? Yeah, it's in the East Bay. It's east of uh, San Francisco and Oakland. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and, uh, you know, it was a great assignment as well. Uh, but I eventually, uh, you know, I, I had already decided to retire from full-time. I don't do retirement. Well, I've flunked it three times, but <laughs> I eventually, reti- I eventually retired from full-time. And then ultimately uh, we, we moved to Shasta County and, uh, <laughs> I got involved, believe it or not, in fire rescue for a while up there. And then we finally did move to Oregon and, once yeah. again, got drafted back. Um, I ran a 911 dispatch center for eight and a half years. And at the same time, I was a reserve law enforcement officer for 14 years. Yeah. Finally well, retired three and a half years ago. Wow. Uh, so the, the, from the time you started, what, what year was that? Was that 68? I, start, yeah, I started in 1968. Mm-hmm. And I finally pulled the plug in uh, uh, 20, what, 2018. Okay. So that's five five decades, right? Yeah, I've got fifty something years in public safety. Not you know forty two in law enforcement. Wow. But, uh, yeah, so I'm an old guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> that so you you've lived through the 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 various stages of you know the civil rights movement uh, to you know you know the you know the the terrorism, the Black Panthers, S, the SLA, all those. Those things that we had out here in Southern California and uh, not to mention the East L.A. riots, you know, um, you know, I, I also was born in East L.A. You were born in uh, uh, just down the street up at Boyle Heights, which. Um, and, right. Yeah. And so uh, <clears throat> I'm familiar with those areas. Uh, Chief, uh, tell us tell us about your schooling. Yeah, because I, 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 I realize that, uh, sure. that that that's an important part of your your upbringing. Well, I went to Catholic school all the way through uh, getting my bachelor's degree from Loyola in L.A. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, later on in my career, um, I, I did get my master's uh, from Cal State Long Beach. Okay. Um, my real training and education, though, like every other cop, it's on the streets. It's not in the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but, I, I what I like is uh, is that you're a non, no-nonsense kind of guy, just, you know, j- just like myself. Um and uh, you you don't get caught up in a lot of this uh, political correctness, and you you just don't have any time for that. Uh, you know, based you know, on Ruben, when, when you've seen stuff like you and I have on the streets, yeah, uh, it, it gives you a perspective, and and you got to be honest about what you see, and that's just the way I was raised at L.A. County Sheriff, and I've stayed that way my whole career. Yeah, for those listeners who don't know. Uh, he, uh, the chief worked at Firestone Park. That was the the first station um, uh, under the sheriff's department, L.A. Sheriff's Department. Uh, later on, that that uh, station closed, and they merged it with a, a 
They took over Linwood, and they became Century Station, built a new station out there. Now, Firestone Park still sits there. That's still the They use the building for a lot um, youth groups and things of that nature you know sometimes the explorers go down there and train and as as the last i i I checked that was still a a building but it's not uh they don't have uh sheriff's personnel that are assigned in there so uh but yeah that's uh you know people that's a a they're legends that were down there and i i told you off off the uh, air that uh, my aunt was married you know for a short time to uh uh, a guy that worked down there with you, and and um, there's a lot of a lot of pride that comes out of that station. Every time I, I'm, I'm, you know, we're talking on social media, and somebody's from Firestone Park, uh, you know, there it, it conjures up this, you know, bravado and this uh, the, this this courage. These these deputies that were out there in the in the rough part of the uh, neighborhoods out there, and um, you know, uh, yeah, they called it South Central. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was a tough place to work. It, at the time, it was the second most violent crime rate jurisdiction in the country. Mm-hmm. It's still a tough neighborhood. I mean, when I was there, we had, in a short period of time, we had two deputies shot and killed. We had another five shot and fortunately survived. And then, as you know, the off-duty LAPD officer, uh, Arroyos, that's where he was murdered right. uh, just, you know, days ago. Right, right. Uh, so it's a challenging environment. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, one of my uh, partners from the jails, um, he he went out to patrol at Firestone, uh, Nelson Yamamoto, and he uh, he was killed out there on training uh, by yep. uh, yeah, El Salvadorian that uh, came out of the back house bla- blazing. And um, and it was unfortunate. And uh, Nelson was uh, just a, a great guy. Um and uh, just wish it didn't have to happen that way. But <clears throat> anyway, that's uh, we know when we sign up, that's a possibility. We don't, uh, you know, we, we don't wish it on anybody. And uh, and we'll get into it. Uh, you you had some pretty cool assignments, and um, one that uh, that sticks out to me is uh, one where you had to uh, go up to. We, you mentioned in your book the uh, the Mex the East LA the Mexican Alps uh, in East LA we had these hills rolling hills over in uh, uh, off right. Eastern Avenue and uh, City Terrace and there's there were like three sets of hills and we, we used to call them the Alps because literally you could get yep. lost up there really easy so uh, but you came up in a time just quite different I I I, I take it you didn't have Kevlar vests and 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 radio. Uh, access to a handheld radio, correct? Yeah. No, we did not have any of those things. Wow. We had a six-shot revolver. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. Model 15, right? Smith & Wesson. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh... I still know the serial number. I still know the serial number of mine because in the academy, as you know, you had to repeat it right. so often you'll never forget it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I only wish that once we switched to... Uh, I, I came up on a revolver as well, but we uh, switched over to the... The nine millimeter Berettas, and I wish I had bought that gun. Anyway, Chief, we're we're coming up on a break. Uh, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. We've got a lot more to ask the Chief. Jesus nine one one. Now, 
back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. We are back. Jesus 911. And I am a two-man car today. After all, we have uh, retired Chief Jerry Boyd with us, uh, picking his brain about uh, his career and what it's like to be a, a person of faith in, uh, in public service. So, Chief, uh, let me go ahead and ask you that question. <clears throat> what role has your faith, faith played during your years of public service professionally and personally? <clears throat> Great question. Um, well, let's talk about personally first. Um, many years ago, and I was in law enforcement at the time, both of my parents were, were killed in a traffic crash. Oh, yeah. And then not many years later, I lost my first wife very unexpectedly on our 18th wedding anniversary. And we had three kids at the time. They were in high school. So sorry. And my faith is what got me through both of those losses, because as you can appreciate, I also had professional responsibilities and then trying to balance everything. So, you know, I prayed for guidance and for for um, God's love and support. And, and I got it. Yeah. Professionally, um, you started to talk about the place in East L.A. called the Alps. Right. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit because I am absolutely 1,000% convinced that, well, on more than one occasion, but that one in particular, my life and my career were both saved because of the hand of God. Um, Tell us specifically, about it. Specifically, uh, I was working headquarters detectives. My partner and I were sent to a location uh, in East L.A., and we were sent there to make contact with and interview what was supposed to be the witness to an armed truck hijacking in which several hundred thousand dollars worth of electronics were stolen. Unfortunately, there was a miscommunication of what we were to do and who was there. And we got there, got to, up to the door, mm-hmm. knocked on it. My partner was on one side of the door. I was on the other. You know that, you know, the routine. Yeah. Um, and as my partner knocked, I with my left hand, I'm right-handed. With my left hand, I reached. We were we were in very plain clothes, not suits. We were down and dirty. Mm. I reached across to my right shirt pocket to get my badge and ID out. Immediately, the door opened and we were hit with gunfire. Wow. And I was shot in that left arm. My partner was shot in the chest. Um, he wasn't expected to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, God not only made him survive, he came back to work just like I eventually did. But my point is, if my arm had not been where it was at that time, I'm sure I would have been killed. I, you know, I'm not a buff upper body dude like my partner. And I think the bullet would have hit me. I think the bullet would have hit me in the heart. So, you know, that's that's just one example of how I believe the good Lord you know, watches out for all of this, but in that particular case, definitely was watching out for my partner and I. Wow. Again, he, neither one of us were expected to come back to work after that, and we both did. He, he actually came back quicker than I did. He was critical. I was serious, but uh, he was a really tough guy. Uh-huh. Chief, <laughs> um... that's, that's, you know, that's one example. Um, uh, there have been many other times, you know, where. Uh, in my career, like you, in your career, I was faced with challenges. And, you know, as cops, we like to think we have all the answers all the time. Yeah. And there are times when we don't. And if we don't rely on 
God's guidance, we're going to probably go down the wrong path. And more than once, um, you know, like any other human being, I was tempted to go down the wrong path. And God said, don't do that, you know. And uh, and so still here today. And, you know, I always, when I taught in the academy, I always said, you know, at the end of every day, you go to your locker, open it up, and have a full-size mirror. And if you can't look in that mirror and like what you see, you better get it squared away really quick. Yep, that's and, a good one. Mm-hmm. You know, to this day, I can I can look in a mirror, and that's all on God, not me. Awesome. You know, going back to, to your shooting now, you know, our families go through sometimes living hell uh, when they see us off to work, you know, not knowing uh, if we're going to come home. And... Um, what was that time like? And, uh, and, and like, I, I look at law enforcement as, as a family, especially the LASD. We, uh, we take care of our own. Uh, what did they do for your wife? Uh, you know, how did they bring her that, that the information that you had been, you had succumbed, not succumbed, but you had uh, well, been hit. That's a, that's a great question. And I was talking to, uh, just the other day to, uh, uh, my longtime friend, former academy, you know, classmate, partner at Firestone. So when I got shot, um, you know, they threw me in a patrol car and took me to a receiving hospital in East L.A. And uh, I told the deputy that was driving, number one, slow down on these curves, man. I, I'm not going to die from the gunshot, but I don't want to get in into a crash. But I said, hey, get on the radio and tell them to get a hold of, and I gave the deputy's name. I said, he's on the academy staff. I want him to go to my house. He knew where I lived. I mean, we're, we were friends. Yeah. And I want him to be the one to, um, you know, tell my wife and to stand by until, you know, my sisters-in-law could get there to watch the kids and my, you know, make sure my wife gets to the hospital, make sure she knows that I'm going to, I'm going to make it. Well, my buddy got to the house. There was already Two deputies, one female deputy that was watching my kids and another deputy that was talking to my wife. They were both from Firestone. And I had left Firestone like six months before, you know, to go to headquarters detectives. Yes. So, I mean, is that a family? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they weren't even asked, but they heard about it. They went to my house because they knew where I lived. I actually lived in Firestone's area out in Walnut Park, not far from where your classmate or your coworker Yamamoto was killed. Okay. And, right. uh, you know, they took care, they took care of my family. Um, you know, for the whole time I was in the hospital and through all the treatments, I had three surgeries altogether and they were there for every single one of them. Wow. That's a, that's an that's, amazing, yeah, that's an amazing testament to uh, the men and women that uh, we work with. And, and um, yeah, it, because, you know, we go out there and we, we trust each other, we put ourselves, uh, our, our, you know, ourselves on the line for each other. And, uh, you know, we, t- we tell each other, you know, I've got your back, I got your six. And, uh, you know, that brings me to another point. You know, I, I, I went to a, a, a retreat that the department puts on. It's a, it's at a Catholic, um, it's a Catholic retreat center up in Malibu and they, they've been putting these on for years. Uh, you may have, uh, you may be aware of them or, uh, up at the Sarah retreat and it's open for, you know, all denominations, but it's, it's put on by uh, the Catholics. And, uh, and, you know, I, I had a, one, of priests there was given a sermon and, you know, uh, he says that, you know, you guys claim that you guys have each other's back. You have each other's six, 
you know, but there's a lot of um, adultery going on in your, your profession, you know, and there's a, he says, if it, how could you truly say that you, you guys, uh, you got your partners back and when you're the, the most important person, your wife, that you're cheating on and your, your children who, you know, you could be, you're taking money out of their, uh, uh, off the, off the table for them. Um, do you really have each other's back if the person you're supposed to be most close with, you're not, uh, you're not being honest with her. So that was, uh, you know, that was huge. And, uh, again, um, that's, that's something that, you know, was all, always temptation in, in our line of work. And, uh, but it's something that we, we need to keep in the forefront that, uh, you know, God comes first. And, uh, I know that, uh, that's your motto, God first, family second, and then, then your job. Uh, but you know, it's not real, um, macho for guys to be sharing their faith or, or having, wearing their faith on the sleeve, uh, you know, especially, you know, a station like Firestone. Now, what, what was your experience? Uh, did, did people know where you stood with the Lord? Yeah, they, they did. And, you know, Firestone has a rep for being a bunch of macho dudes and that's mm -hmm. true. I mean, you know, that, that, that's a true statement, but there were some good human beings that worked right. there. I, you know, I had, I had a partner for a while. He was of a different faith than than I am, but uh, he was a, he was a uh, he was a believer and he was a Christian. And you know, we, we'd talk about that stuff between calls. That would give you a lot of time to talk, right. but uh, we would talk about that stuff. And and he wasn't the only one. I mean, there were there were people there. I mean, this will shock you, but there was one particular sergeant who, at our briefing before every shift, would end it with a prayer. And wow. a couple of guys, That's a nice. couple of guys beefed him on it. But our captain, who I've got to say, gave me an example that I tried to follow for the rest of my career. Uh, he he was a straight shooter and said, you know what, if you don't like it, just walk out of the briefing. But I'm not going to stop him from doing it. Awesome. You know, so there there have been even back in the, you know, <laughs> the so-called dark ages of law enforcement, there have been a lot of practitioners in our business that, uh, that knew that there was, there was a, a need for a belief and, and they practiced, yes. you know, you know, as, as we're speaking, uh, the engineers posting up some pictures that, uh, that you sent me. And, uh, there's one where you're crouching with a rifle and, uh, you're in a, a blue, uh, outfit blue uniform uh was that where was that assignment at that was uh when i was a swat commander at irvine pd and that was back um i wouldn't say in the earliest days of swat because that was founded by lapd and la sheriff in the late 60s and mm -hmm. that photo was taken in 1976 mm -hmm. but the equipment we had back then in swat was uh you know not what they have today and that was our you know we did have vests by then uh that was our basically our working uniform it wasn't our daily uniform but when we we got a mission assignment that's pretty much what we wore with vests and a lot more gear than that picture shows mm, yeah now you made you know as you mentioned in the beginning uh a, a number of different moves to different departments um, do you so you think God had a role in some of those moves, and and if so, why? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
my my leaving the sheriff's department was based on to be honest with you god's guidance my i wasn't seeing my family i was commuting mm. to la from south orange county my kids were starting to get involved in sports i was never able to watch them mm-hmm. my wife was beginning to have some health issues although we didn't realize how serious they were uh and there was a particular person who i won't name that uh, <laughs> later became the sheriff of Los Angeles <laughs> County that um, I, you know, I got, I got tired of um, his harassing my deputies. So mm. all of those things put together, I prayed for guidance and lo and behold, the job opening in Irvine came up and I lived a mile from the city limits of uh, Irvine. That's a no brainer, right? <laughs> that was a no brainer, but yeah. getting it, I mean, the competition was fierce mm-hmm. and you know, I, for whatever reason, God gave me the edge, yeah. and um, and and so that I went there. Oh, awesome! Okay, all right. We're listening to Jesus nine one one. We're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. Still got a number of questions we want to ask the chief, and we'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Matthew 5, 9. You know, so peacemakers, it's a God-ordained profession. Peacemaker is someone who reconciles people with God and with one another. Peacemaking, as such, requires taking the initiative to get Get involved in conflicts with the intention of building bridges between the parties at odds. And I can't imagine a better profession that than uh, what we have for those working the streets, uh, our first responders. I tease my my nephew cousin, who's a fireman uh, chief, that uh, uh, we're they're second responders. We're first responders because they, they don't go until we, we see it's code four, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I've got, you know, I, I was going to say that, uh, you know, I, I, my first wife passed away. I've been married to Jay for uh, going on 30 years, and we have a daughter. She says she's the first responder, and she is. She's a 911 dispatcher, and she's a former reserve cop. But uh, so she says, yep, it's us, then you then you cops, and then the firefighters. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of your family, uh, you just uh, made me aware that you, that your son is retiring from the, his de- department he works, and, and you've got to be so proud of him. Uh, just tell us t- what what he's accomplished and uh, and where he's retiring sure. from. Sure. Well, I'm proud of all three of my sons sure. from, from my late wife, and um, yeah, my oldest, uh, he's a retired police lieutenant from a department down in San Diego County, and he served in a lot of different assignments. He was their department SWAT commander for many years, and uh, so now he's retired, but uh, he he stays active uh, like I try to, and um, he's involved in some things, including uh, he's doing a little ministry thing himself through uh, a Catholic businessman's group in in northern San Diego County. So wonderful. Proud of proud of all three of them, and and our daughter, uh, you know, from from my current marriage, and. uh, you know, yeah, I guess public safety kind of runs in the family. Yeah, uh, you know, the fruit doesn't fall far from the tree, Chief. That's uh, that's amazing. You know, because 
um, you just take a look at uh, at people's children, you know, and uh, that says a lot about their parents. And and uh, so kudos to you, Chief, and your wife to uh, to have raised uh, people who are productive in society and people who know where they're going in life. And it's uh, it's it's a testament to you guys. So. Thank you for that. Well, you, you know, you asked me about, uh, you know, God influencing my moves to different departments. I, I left Irvine and I went to San Diego to court, the city, Coronado. Mm-hmm. Great 10 years, got tremendous uh, respect for the military as a result of that, because we had three Navy bases and right. worked with them a lot. And But Coronado is a small peninsula. And, and after 10 years there, you know, pretty much accomplished everything that, that the department needed. And so I, you know, I left and went to Martinez PD. Well, my wife, my my wife Jay, is the daughter of uh, my my secretary at Martinez PD. Had I not gone to Martinez, I would never have met my wife. Wow. And uh, <laughs> so God had a plan there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> For sure. And uh, so <clears throat> when. You, you know, when I was working and I, I had this, uh, I was just had a street cop mentality and, and I loved being a sergeant because I had small teams, you know, and uh, worked narcotics the last eight years of my career. But um, I I was a cop at heart and I know my lieutenants were at telling me, you got to, you got to promote, you got to become a lieutenant. I said, I would tell them, you know what, if I do, why would I stop there? Then I may as well be a captain, you know. But I like that communication, being that go-between between the brass and and the the street cops, and I loved having the small team. I, I, but the one thing, and maybe you can uh, elaborate on this, they would tell me you could you can affect more people with a bigger platform as a at, at a higher level. You're just you're working with just a small team, but it, it, when you're let's say a captain or a chief, you're responsible for all these people, so you can have a greater impact. Was was that a fair statement? Yeah, I think it's a fair statement. I mean, uh, the most fun job in law enforcement is being a sergeant. You know <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I never aspired to be a chief, but as I've said many times already, you know, God obviously wanted me to be in that position. Um, you know, the one the one thing, and I got criticized for it by some and others liked it, is, you know, God never let me forget my roots. And my roots were on the streets of South Central L.A. And that was putting people in jail because that's what the good folks in that community needed. They needed the bad guys off the street. So as a chief, I would put on a uniform, go grab a patrol car, go out, make traffic stops, make arrests. um, Because I thought it sent a message to the whole department about the Mm -hmm. values of our profession. Like I said, some people didn't like it. They wished I would have stayed in my office. But uh, I think it was my way of communicating a message to the entire department that this is what we are about. That's awesome. You know, we do a lot of service things and we do a lot of, you know, PR things. But the bottom line is what people want from law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I don't think they're seeing it in a lot of big cities today. They want to see the people that victimize them arrested, Absolutely. prosecuted, convicted, and sentenced to incarceration. And, you know, if you ask me later on what the biggest problem in the profession is today, I'll tell you it's not, it's because they're not doing that. Exactly. But that's maybe a question for later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, 
what's going on in today's society, uh, this revolving door, you know, the, uh, the criminals getting out before, you know, the, uh, the deputies and law enforcement ha- have even written the reports. That's uh, just, uh, it's, it makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, t- time and time again, some of these people, they let out or on, you know, cause there's no bail out here in LA. They're, they just let them out and, uh, they go back to, um, to victimize more people. And it's, it's a, a shame that, uh, th- this is what's going on. You know, the old uh, broken window theory that, uh, that was so, you know, I, it was probably had its roots back in the seventies. I, I, I would imagine, uh, if I remember my, uh, criminal justice classes, um, but you know, that was something that you, you took care of the small things so that the big things wouldn't, uh, you know, arise. And, and I'll give you, ex- give you an example. We, we were going down a street in East LA and, and these, these gang members were, were cussing us out from their porch, you know, calling us names and, I had a trainee with me and just uh, go ahead and stopped. I, I learned this from a, an, an old G from from the station. And uh, we backed up. We said, oh, excuse me. Did you did you need us? Did you were you calling on us? And uh, no, we don't want to talk to you. You know, keep going. Get out of here. It's our neighborhood. And then um, I go, wow. I said, told my trainee, you see that car? It's parked illegally. Hey, that tag is off. You know, th- th- that's an expired tag. Let's start writing these ducats here. We start writing t- tickets and, you know, call the tow truck in for one car. And they're, hey, what are you doing? And and the neighbors were loving it because they, like you said, they, they don't want these knuckleheads in their neighborhood. And uh, the, the quality of life goes down when they have, they have problem uh, children in the neighborhood. But you see, I said, wow, I wouldn't have seen these things had you not called my attention. And I would. <laughs> so you, you, you hit them in the pocketbook, you, 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 you know, and, and they get the message, you know, and you're just you, you walk away yep. with a smile on your face. And, uh, you know, it's something you just don't take personally because, you know, it's, it's part of the job. And, and as long as they're not hurting you and your partners, man, then, you know, you just uh, you just go go with the flow. Um, so talk about like some of the things that are, that you see uh, in pro- uh, facing law enforcement today, some of the problems. Uh, well, this is going to be a long answer, and I'll tell you right up front, because you know I don't pull punches, that some people that hear what I say on this subject think I'm a conspiracy theorist or I wear a tinfoil hat, but I can back what I'm saying. And, it, again, this is going to be kind of long-winded, but the problems that I see in law enforcement today in prosecutors' offices today, in the courts, in our government in general, and, and, and frankly, even in our church, is um, it, they've all of those institutions, in my opinion, have been intentionally infiltrated by people that want to replace our representative republic with communism. Amen. And I say that because back in the 1930s, the Communist Party developed a 45-step game plan for the takeover of our government. And yes, up until recent years, one of the biggest opponents to communism has been the Roman Catholic Church. Exactly. So if you can neutralize the church by infiltrating it, if you can neutralize the effectiveness of law enforcement by infiltrating it, uh, you can create anarchy and chaos. Uh, you can depend. You can create an environment in which the public is controlled by the government and has to depend on the government. And if you look at those 45 steps, they've accomplished most of them. 
they're on the home stretch right. and they're working awfully hard on the home stretch to finish it off. And unfortunately, I think they're making progress. Yes. Um, if you look at leadership of large law enforcement agencies in heavy metropolitan areas, you know, we just talked about the need to be proactive and aggressive like you were with those gang members in East L.A. That's what that's what the public needs and deserves and wants. And that's what solves the crime problem. The crime problem is getting out of hand. I mean, you live in L.A. County. Yeah. I just read something about how the murder rate in L.A. County is through the roof. Yep. And it's because too many police agencies, too many law enforcement agencies are telling their officers not to be proactive. You know, don't go out there and initiate contact. You just respond on calls. That doesn't get it done. It never has and, and it never will. When you have police chiefs in some cities that will go to parades, hold hands with, in solidarity with BLM and Antifa, that tells you we've got a real serious problem. Yeah. How about those? Uh, how about those chiefs that uh, that took a knee and uh, or one got one chief yeah. let himself be handcuffed by face down? Uh, it just was appalling to me. Well, and I and again, you can call me a conspiracy theorist, but I think all of that's intentional. Um, you know, look at and I, I'm going to draw a parallel here. You know, in the last few years, we've tried to destroy our history by tearing down, you know, Civil War statues and rewriting the history books. Unfortunately, well, you know, and this is just my opinion, the same thing is happening in our church. I mean, 100 percent. I agree with you 100 percent. Chief, uh, when we come back, I want you to tell us the story about uh, Peter Pitches, the, the sheriff you worked under. I thought it was amusing. Lighten the mood a little bit on the other side of the break. Jesus 911. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Jesus 911. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Uh, we have a special guest with us. I'm, I'm a two-man car today. I have uh, Chief, retired Chief Jerry Boyd with me. And uh, I just want to read this one scripture here. It says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Uh, would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. That just totally that, that lays out what we do here in law enforcement. Uh, so Romans 13, if you want to look that up. Uh, verses one through seven, uh, chief that let's, uh, you know, you, you, you lived through a, a time of some, some big cases. I mean, uh, the, the Manson case, uh, bring comes to mind and, um, there was, a, and then you also had, you know, in, in LA County, we had, uh, Robert Kennedy was shot in, uh, in 68, right. About the time you, you came on board. And by the way, it, it sounds like to me that you did you went straight to patrol from the academy, correct? You didn't do any custody time like we all have to do. 
No, my my only custody time was, you know, off the street before the academy. I, okay. I was at Maine Central Jail for three months. But, yeah, I went straight to patrol. Well, lucky you. Yeah. Uh, it was very fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but there, there's a story in your book where you, you talk about um, your sheriff, the late Peter Pitches, and he had a— you you had um, Ted Kennedy coming into town to speak, and <laughs> and it's it's just this shows you the difference in, in leadership that this this sheriff had. And uh, tell us that story, if you would. Sure. Well, let me tell you that Peter J. Pitches was probably one of the most powerful political figures in the state of California at the time. He was on a first name basis with all the movers and shakers in Hollywood and. Mm. I mean, I, I, once I was on a security detail, he only had a security detail after he had open heart surgery. Mm. I was in, sitting in his living room with him in, uh, in Arcadia in his house and the phone rang. He asked me to answer it. And, uh, I did, I said, deputy Boyd, this is a Pitches residence, deputy Boyd. And he said, yeah, this is Dick Nixon. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dick Nixon was the president of the United States at the time, but anyhow, Goodness yeah. Gracious. So on on that security detail, the uh, sheriff was attending a big fundraising banquet at the Beverly Hilton Hotel, and and the keynote speaker was Senator Ted Kennedy, and uh, so the sheriff, you know, the sheriff's department put together an elaborate security plan, mm-hmm. ran it by Kennedy's security people, and they totally ignored it, and uh, so there was a break between the dinner and the speech. And we were backstage and the sheriff came down and he walked up to my sergeant and I and said, well, it's Kennedy going along with the program. And the sergeant said, no, sir, he is not going along with the program. <laughs> About that time, Kennedy walked in, pitches, and I'll leave out the profanity, but pitches went over to him and said, Kennedy, Ted Kennedy, yes. you better not violate my security protocol I'm not going to lose another Kennedy to gunfire in this county. And all Ted Kennedy, the senator, would say was, yes, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And he he did that in front of uh, Frank Sinatra and Sammy Davis Jr. and a whole bunch of others. And they just had big smiles on their faces. That's amazing. You know, that just shows you uh, how far we've come. You know, these these politicians, uh, you know, got the way they walk around like they're, you know, the king and um, and the sheriff put him in his place. That's that. That's a funny story. Oh, he did absolutely, and that's not the only time he did. But uh, you know, Pitches was great with deputies and sergeants, but man, if the ranking, de- you know, division chief or inspector—I guess they're called commanders now—if uh, he didn't like that something they did, boy, he would chew them royally. But he never, ever, in my presence, and I was around him a lot, uh, ever was anything but super nice to deputies and sergeants. Yeah, the the people who are doing the work, right? <laughs> the working class. That's it. He knew it. <laughs> so um, we're, some pictures are going up right now. There's a picture of you in a, in a uniform with a child. As, uh, what was that picture? Where was that from? <clears throat> that was Martinez PD, and that was and is my daughter, Ruthie, who's mm. now a whole lot bigger. And as I mentioned, she uh, she's an ex-reserve officer, and she's a full-time 911 dispatcher. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's Ruthie. Yeah. And, and she's, she's married. Is she, is she marry uh, someone in law enforcement? No, she's, she's not. She was, she's, oh. she is no, not at the moment, but, uh, um, you know, that happens. And, yeah. um, uh, but anyhow, yeah. So, so yeah, that, that goes back a few years. Okay. And, um, there's also a picture of a, 
of a chapel in your house. It's a beautiful chapel. Uh, maybe I inspired me to put one in mind. Uh, tell us about that. That's that's uh, is that a place that you go to for for your prayer and uh, maybe scripture reading? We've had uh, we've had a chapel in our last two houses. This one, well, my wife has designed and done all of really all the work on it. It's it's a private chapel. It's for yeah, as you said, it's a place for prayer and meditation and without interruption from other things going on. Um, it is intentionally a very traditional uh, chapel as opposed to you know some of the more modern catholic churches that we see today yes this one is very traditional um it can be used by visiting priests to say their private masses you know if a priest comes through here that we know and yes you know he's looking for a place to say mass he can but that's uh you know that's not what it's normally used for yeah i i think uh you know off the air we we, we talked uh, i told you my uh Preference to the uh, traditional Latin Mass, and uh, you mentioned to me that your wife is, uh, is 100% on board with that, and and uh, you you prefer it too. Well, I mean, you grew up with it, right? I was an altar boy that had to give the responses in Latin, and I was an altar boy for a long time, so I can still uh, do the mm-hmm. do the Latin today if I need to. Yeah, so you could. So if a, a visiting priest. Stops in and and saying the uh, the traditional Latin mass. Uh, you're able to uh, do the responses, or I I could if I needed yeah. to. Yes, <laughs> that's that's so cool. I I like that uh, beautiful chapel, by the way. And uh, so I take it that there's you live in a per rural area, and without telling us exactly where you live, just um, it, would I was it safe to say that's you're not real close to uh, a church or. No, there's a church in town about nine miles from here. Nope. Uh, it's our parish church, but um, um, you know, to go in there to pray or say the rosary is not real convenient. So we have just to walk a few steps into our chapel, and we can do that. Oh, that's great! That's great. Um, you know, Chief. Um, in the time we have left, um, uh, before I, I'm going to say this, before first of all, so you've written apparently you've written several books. How, how are people? If they, if they wanted to get a hold of you, if you make, I don't know if you make yourself available, but or how do they get a hold of your books? Is that uh... okay? I've got, I, I've written fourteen books, but wow, uh, some of them are some of them are out of print from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I have some; they're they're pretty current. They all, almost all of them, have to do with law enforcement. They're all on Amazon, and you know they can be. Uh, they can be accessed uh, through Amazon Books, just you know, by my name, Jerry Boyd. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people want to contact me, I'm more than willing to give out my email address. I'm not going to give you my phone number, but yeah. I'll give you my email address. Yeah. yeah. What's that email? E X L A S D, as in X L A Sheriff's Department at msn.com. And since we are running out of time, I, uh, I wanted to end this. Not maybe not end it, but you know. To all of my active and retired public safety friends, and even those that I don't, I'm not friends with that I don't know. Yes. You know, I, I, my, my word is be safe, keep your head on a swivel and, you know, Mm -hmm. let God bless you because he will. Yes. 
And also, uh, so, would you speak to the challenges, uh, for example, suicides within law enforcement and, and you know, first responders? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a growing problem, and, and I'm going to quickly give you the steps that, was give, that were given to me by one of my academy DIs, Sergeant Ed Price, who recently passed away. And way back 50-something years ago, he said, you want to survive mentally, psychologically, and physically in this business – do these things, exercise regularly, maintain a healthy diet, and off-duty, put the job aside and have hobbies or sports that will distract you from the negative side of the job. Confide in your family and friends. Don't be bashful about talking about job-related problems that are causing you concern. Seek their advice. If you're not a religious person, become one, and always put your troubles in God's hands and pray daily. Great. Now, Ed Price told me that. And he was he was a great DI, he was a great cop, and he was a great human being. Great uh, words to live by, and uh, you know it's uh, what I'm what I'm hearing from you. You you go back to where you came from, and and uh, I know although you had pride in all, all the different departments you worked with, uh, there's something that rings out in your in your voice. Maybe just because you're talking to former LASD myself, but uh, you know you, you know it's it's in your heart that uh, you're. Uh, where you made your, your bones over there in Firestone Park. And I could just hear the love that you still have for for our department out here and, and the guys you worked with. And, um, yeah, just some of the guys, just just tell us uh, in the last, well, I guess we're, we're running short on time, but, you know, Chief, maybe we'll have you on again. And, um, you know, maybe maybe your son can join us in the next, the next round. Would that... Uh, That'd be great. And, um, you know, I thank you again for the opportunity, and I'd be happy to come back if that's what you'd like. And I wish you and and the folks that you're working with doing the Lord's work, I wish you the best. Oh, thank you so much. And God bless you and your family. Keep up the good work, Chief. Stay healthy, and uh, I'll see you uh, on uh, social media. And uh, I'm following you now, so... (laughs) <laughs> anyway uh all right all right brother and uh be safe okay all right god bless you thank you for being with us and uh god bless. okay god thank you god bless you so you've been listening to jesus 911 we had uh retired chief jerry boyd a former lesd and uh he's worked a chief of police at coronado and also martin martinez pd just a wealth of knowledge was 50 plus years in, in in law enforcement serving in public safety so thank you so much for your service chief god bless you keep the faith you've been listening to jesus 911 and if you like what you hear i want you to like it share it and uh tell your friends about it okay so up next is gary mishuda hands-on apologetics from the midwest command center remember we are in the month of january the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus often, say it daily, and, uh, and pray your rosary. If you're not praying your rosary, you're not on the team. God bless you. Keep the faith. We are 10-7. We are out. E-O-W.